Good morning, everybody. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to begin this morning with a song called There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. We invite you to sing this with us. Let's worship the Lord.
You guys go ahead and have a seat. Good morning, Lindsay Lane North. I'm Jeremiah, the home groups coordinator here at North. Thanks for joining us today. I'm actually back in one of the North Kids rooms today helping out Cheryl and Samantha with childcare. Every Sunday, they have a Bible story and a craft ready to go when you get here. If you're a guest today, please take just a minute to fill out the Connect card you received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out today. One of us will reach out to you with a call, text, or an email later this week to personally thank you for visiting with us. If you want to find out how you can get plugged into one of our home groups or you're ready to join one of our great ministry teams, just stop by the next steps table on your way out today. We hope you have a great day and enjoy the service. Well, amen. Man, we are excited to, to start our worship or continue worship, I guess I should say, uh, with baptism. We've got two guys here that are... Uh, that have made decisions for Christ at different times. And man, we're just, we're excited that they are choosing today to follow the Lord uh, in baptism. I will echo what Jeremiah said. Uh, man, if you are looking to serve, we appreciate him serving and, and giving that illustration of, of being willing to serve uh, regardless of what we got going on as a church. And so uh, if you would love, like to serve, we would love to give you that opportunity. Uh, so please see the Next Steps table or see Cheryl or Samantha after service. We would love to uh, let you know how you can get plugged in with our children's and preschool ministry. But we've got uh, Jeremy and Justin Newman, two brothers uh, that are here uh, to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. So first we got Jeremy. So come on, man. Got an opportunity to talk to Jeremy and his wife. Now, if it's not confusing enough, the Jays, they both married Amanda's. Uh, and so, so they made it nice and easy on me as a pastor. So I appreciate y'all doing that. We've already had that conversation. Uh, but I was talking with him and Mandy and, and, uh, through the process of the conversation, after North 101, uh, Jeremy gave his heart and his life to Christ through that conversation. And man, we're excited about this next step of obedience that you're taking uh, with the Lord. And so have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen. Because of that profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus and raised in newness of life. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you, man. All right. All right, and next up, we've got Justin. Got to talk to Justin and his wife, Amanda. And uh, just not too long ago, their daughters made a decision for Christ to follow the Lord in baptism a few uh, weeks ago. And so uh, Justin wanted to come and get his uh, life in order, his baptism in order as well. So Justin, have you received Christ as our Lord and Savior? Amen. Well, I baptize you then and as my brother in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Washed in the blood of Jesus and raised in newness of life. Amen, buddy. Amen. All right, church. Man, it's good. Good stuff. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much. God, for this time of worship that you've given us today. Uh, God, as we've worshiped through song, we'll continue to do that as we worship in your word. And God, as we've worshiped through this demonstration, God, this demonstration of uh, these two men, Lord, being in obedience to you, walking in obedience to you. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for, for this example. And God, we pray for anybody that needs to get their baptism where it needs to be. They need to be baptized by believer's baptism. God, I pray that you give them boldness to talk with some somebody, uh, Lord, and they would uh, get that step right with you. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do. Now be glorified and lifted up in everything. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to continue this morning in worship. We serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he can do anything he wants to do this morning and so I ask you to surrender to him we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second but I encourage you whatever you're holding back lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning let's sing this together it's called Waymaker I worship you. 
You are here moving in our midst. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You're working in this place. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are way maker. Darkness, my God, that is who you are. Amen. Sing it again. We make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here, mending every heart. I worship you. Turning lives around, you are here, turning lives around, I worship you, I worship you, you are here mending every heart, you are here, mending every heart, I worship you, I worship you.
go and have a seat. So, everybody's going, what's happening? I'm thinking the same thing. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, Alan asked me uh, before we, you know, before we got into today, he was like, what would you think about speaking this morning a little bit about what we're going to be talking about? And so if you have your notes, you can see today we're talking about the work of worship. And so he was like, hey, why don't you speak to the first point of the message And so, if you would, let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin today right there um, in Romans chapter 12. Um, And so, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I just pray that you would speak through your word this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the Bible says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what it says right there. And so, let's talk a little bit about what sacrifices were in the Old Testament. Okay? So, in the Old Testament times, you know, you had a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was where God's presence Dwelled, And so in order to go into the inner chambers of the tabernacle with God's presence, you first had to present your sacrifice. And so I've got a picture of the altar. The first thing that you see when you come into the tabernacle in Old Testament times was the altar of sacrifice. Things are happening. Okay. You probably heard it called the brazen altar. Um, And basically what would happen is you would walk in and the first thing you did was you sacrificed an animal, maybe a lamb or an oxen. Uh, and what you would do is you would, uh, you would bind the animal to one of these horns. You would lay your hands on the animal, and you would pronounce your sins, and you would basically transfer your sins to this animal, and then you would uh, sacrifice the animal. You would do the thing. And so what would happen is there would be lots of waste and blood and all this kind of stuff, and then you would take the body, you would lay it up on the altar, and you would burn it, and it would be a sweet aroma to the Lord. And that was how you cleansed yourself so that you could go into the presence of God. That was the first thing you had to do before you could go into God's presence. And so the altar was a place for sacrifice. That was worship. Worship has to have an altar, okay? In order to come closer to God, we've got to take things in our lives that keep us from the Lord. We've got to kill those things. A lot of times it's pride. A lot of times we think that we're a lot better than we really are. And we've got to lay that pride down. We've got to burn it. And we've got to leave it at the door, okay? We think about what God did for us. He submitted himself as a sacrifice on the cross. And our response to his sacrifice is to submit our own sacrifice. And God doesn't want lamb. He doesn't want oxen. This is the New Testament. Jesus was the lamb for us. And so what does God want? God wants us. That's what the Bible says. It says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so we have to be submissive. That is the first and most important thing about worship is we have to surrender. Okay, John 4, verse 23 and 24. Jesus, Jesus says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. And so... A lot of us have probably heard that before, and we go, man, what does that mean? What does it mean to, number one, spiritual worship, and what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? And so, according to Romans 12, if we go back to our main verse uh, for for this part of the message, worshiping in spirit means to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, one that is holy and pleasing to God. So, if you look at it that way, worshiping in spirit is Worshiping in full submission to the Lordship of Christ. We have to be submitted. We have to be surrendered. Without submission, we're kidding ourselves that we are worshipers. If we're not submitted, we're kidding ourselves. But the thing is, God knows our hearts. God can see through all of the things that we put and a happy face and all that stuff. God can see, and we're not fooling the Lord. So 
Worship in spirit and truth. So what does it mean to worship in truth? Okay, so that's simple. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So worshiping in the truth is worshiping through Jesus and realizing that Jesus is the only way that we have access to the Father. If I'm not worshiping and I'm not, if I'm not submitting to Jesus, then I'm not worshiping the Father. We must submit every part of us to him. Okay, God paid for, he bought, he paid for, and he redeemed every part of this body. He, re- he did the same thing for you on the cross. And so when we surrender ourselves to him, we're just giving him back what he already owns. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And so God owns us. So when we surrender to him, we're just giving him back what he's already bought and paid for and redeemed. And so I've got a table over here and it's got all kinds of things on it. If one of y'all mind moving that. And so, uh, so I've got all kinds of things like this and, uh, it is, you know, it was a fun time. I've, my wife's out of town and so had the baby by myself. And I was trying to scramble stuff together. And so here's what I got. I've got a football. I've got like a baseball and a glove. Um, I've got, a, a golf club. Does anybody play golf? Nobody? I've got two little kids that play golf. That's awesome. Uh, I've got a camo hat. Anybody likes to hunt? I've got one of these fishing lures. Anybody ever use one of these? Has anybody ever had success with one of these? Like, you kind of drag it on top of like, okay, we've got one Jackson has. So you just kind of drag it on top of the water, and the, the bass, I think, just love this. I've never had any success with it. Um, we've got uh, Xbox controllers, some weights. These are Allen's. This is for his stronger arm, and this is for his weaker arm. Um, and then cell phone, you know, all kinds of things. We've got a hair, uh, hairbrush. Who, who in here? Some of us don't have that anymore. That's okay. Um, but most of us, we care about what we look like, and so that's kind of what that represents. And then we've got food. Boom, food. Um, I got these two for one. If anybody wants one after the service, just hit me up. Uh, you can have them because my wife does not want me to eat these. Um, and then just some food items. So what we've got here, everything on this table are things that we probably have in our lives day to day. I mean, there are lots of things I could have put on this table. And so you can kind of imagine, you just look into your life and you see what, what are things that, that, that mean something to me? What are things that are important to me? What are things that take up my time? And so in and of themselves, these things are not wrong. These things are not bad. These things are blessings from the Lord. Okay, God gives us things, but at some point, blessings can become idols. And so one of the things that that the Bible teaches is that we have to clean the temple. Like, that's what Jesus did. He cleaned the temple because people were making it a den of thieves. They were trying to go into the place that housed God's presence, and they were doing all this stuff that had nothing to do with the Lord. And Jesus said, man, that's pointless. And he cleaned the temple. And sometimes in our lives, we put things on the tables of our hearts that speak to us more than the voice of God. They speak to us more than the word of God. And so what is that in your life? I look at, for me, I think it's this. I think for me, the cell phone is the thing that I find in my hand all the time. I'm always on it. My wife gets on to me. Uh, but that's something that, that for me, you know, it can easily take the place of the voice of God. And so for you, what speaks louder to you than the voice of God? What is it? Is it food? Is it vanity? Is it your appearances? Is it exercise? Is it sports, outdoor stuff, games, electronics? What is it? And so you've got to look at that. And I'm going to give you a definition of worship. Has anybody got a pen? Everybody, everybody get ready. Get your pens. Everybody ready? Definition of worship. Okay, you ready? If I'm going to worship God, I must. We're testifying. Did I hit anybody? Guys, that is worship. Worship flips the table of compromise in my heart. Worship invites Jesus to come into his temple, into his house, and remove anything from my life that he wants to. Worship says that all of these trinkets, all of these things in my life that are they're good things and, and they're fine, but if they're speaking to me louder than the voice of God, then worship says, God, you are more important than any of these things. And so we, we flip the table of compromise. We turn over the tables of our hearts to God and we say, God, whatever you want to take from me, you can have it. And so holiness, 
You know, the Bible says right there in that verse, it says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. So what is holiness? Holiness is when I take the table of my heart and I, I take everything off of that table and I clean it off and I get it ready and I present it to God and I say, God, here are the tables of my heart. You can put back on this table whatever you want to. Whatever you want to take out of my life, Lord, you can have it. And whatever you want to put back on my life to bring you glory, you can do that. And that's holiness. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so worship is table flipping. Worship is cleaning the temple, temple sweeping. That's what Jesus did. He went in the temple and he cleaned, he cleaned it up. And worship makes God welcome in his house. And so let's bow our heads. Today, there's lots of people that have things in their lives that are fine. They're good. They're, they're whatever. They're things. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with things in and of themselves. But when things take the place of God in my life, that's a problem. If there are things in my life that I have not surrendered, that's a problem. And so today, examine the tables of your heart. What is that in your heart? We compromise so many things. We compromise our quiet times, our prayer time, our, our, our volunteer hours. We, well, those are all negotiable. But the things in our lives that fill our schedules are what we are worshiping. And so what does that look like for you? And examine your heart. I want, you to, I want us to pray and I want us to, to consider this morning what it would look like if the body of Christ would surrender to the Lord this morning. People that have sin problems, people that have hang-ups and compulsions and all this stuff, people are like, what is the cure? The cure is surrender. The cure is worship. And so let me pray for us. And we're going to continue and we're going to sing and we're going to lift our voice and worship the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, God, just the time we've been able to open it and see what it says, Lord. And I pray that, God, you would speak through your word this morning. I pray that, God, as we continue, we sing and we, and we open your word again, Lord, that you would be glorified. God, whatever we're holding back, whatever we are holding in our hearts, Lord, I pray that we would surrender that so that we can truly engage with you the way that you want us to this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. May Jesus be glorified as we continue. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to continue.
says, God demonstrated his love for you. That while you were yet sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. And so God demonstrated his love for us. This morning, I challenge you, how will you demonstrate your love to God this morning? Let's sing this. This sings about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. It says, death could not hold. Let's sing this together. above every name and I pray that God this morning we would surrender to you that God we would submit whatever is in our lives that holds us from worshiping you fully Lord I pray we submit it at your feet we love you God and we pray that you would speak through your word this morning speak through our pastor but we pray and we ask all this in the name of Jesus amen you guys can have a seat city, for the campus, and for the world. We're trying to build a church that's fixed on the gospel and helps people come to know and follow Jesus, equipping them to make an impact in the world. My wife and I actually grew up here, and some of our very first dates were sitting under these trees right here on the quad. We went to Bama together, and we got married like right over there, and we've been doing ministry together in other places almost 15 years. But when I come home, I always come out here to the quad. Nearly every memory I have of Bama happened under one of these oaks. And when we discovered that God was calling us back here, it struck me that that's the kind of church that we wanted to be, a church with deep roots and long branches, a church with deep roots in the city and in the campus and long branches, sending people out all over the world to share Christ, to plant more churches, to make disciples. We started Church of the Oaks to help people like you find hope and purpose in the gospel, to become disciple makers and make a difference in the one mission that Jesus left us with, to really be a part of the Great Commission, not just spectators of it. help if I was unmuted. Amen. That is Britton Latham. Uh, he and his wife Jessica have planted a church, Church of the Oaks, 
uh, in partnership with the Well Network uh, down in Tuscaloosa. Uh, they are a missions partner with us. Uh, we have three missions partners as it stands now. Uh, we have Neighborhood Bridges, which you uh, we had showed a video of last week uh, in this area in our Jerusalem. This is our Judea. Uh, ministry that we uh, partner with. We went down on a quick mission trip down there to see what they've got going on at Tuscaloosa. And so uh, we are partnering with them as well as Favor City uh, Church in Las Vegas. And so the reason why that we are letting you know this is because we have our Give to Go offering. This is the funding opportunity that we have for our missions partners and missions endeavors for 2022. And so we want you to give toward that. We'll have a way uh, that you can give in one lump sum. You can give uh, this next Sunday, or you can pledge next Sunday to give, and you can turn that in as well, uh, this being the first installment of that. And so however you want to give, we want to be able to accommodate that. uh, But this is what we are doing in order to fund our mission strategy through our missions partnerships. And so uh, this is what we, we do as a church. And so we would love for you to give toward that. Obviously, we've got plenty of outreach and things like that that we do in addition to that. Um, but this is how we fund those things and the trips that we'll take out there. We're working right now on a Las Vegas mission trip uh, to go out there and to help them be a part. What's cool about this is Favor City next Sunday is their first official public launch. They've been doing some soft launches leading up to it, but that'll be their first official launch. So we will literally be able to seed into that vision the day that they start established church, which for us was August 18th, 2019. Their August 18th, 2019 will be October the 3rd, 2021. And so we get an opportunity to do that. I'm really excited about that, and we want to make you aware of that. So if you have your Bibles in Romans chapter 12, we're going to continue. Man, Will did an incredible job. If you haven't noticed, we are talking about the discipline of worship, the work of worship. We are in our last week of our Rhythms series. We are tracing uh, how God has called us in everyday life to make spiritual disciplines happen, right? That God has changed us. He, If you have a relationship with Christ here in this room, a personal relationship, he has changed you. He has justified you through his grace. But he has justified you, not so that you could do nothing, but there is a sanctifying process of looking more like Jesus every single day. And we do that, right, largely in part due to the spiritual disciplines. And so there's some work that's involved. There's some things, some difficulty that we're going to have at times in our life. But we need to be willing to put in the work to do these different things, and specifically in the area of worship. Now, we understand worship as what goes on in these four walls of a church, right? There is a certain amount of discipline that is required to attend church, right? That you can go and talk to somebody in, in the community and ask them about the church that they go to, and you very well may get the, like, I don't. I don't, I don't go anywhere, right? Like, I, I don't attend anywhere, right? You, you may get that, that reaction from people because they've gotten out of practice. They've gotten out of the discipline of attending. And there is certainly a case in which that is important, right? We need to be amongst fellow believers. We need to be encouraged by one another, encouraged in the word. And we need accountability, Because we are all one step from stupid, right? And so we need accountability in our life in order to grow toward Christ. But worship is far more than what happens in a few songs on a Sunday morning. It's bigger than what happens in this room, even including the, the message and invitation It's bigger than what happens in the four walls of this church. It's bigger than what happens even in home groups, which if you are missing home groups, you are missing a vital aspect of what we are doing, the strategy that we have as a church. And you're missing some spiritual discipline conversations that we are talking about each week that have been incredible. And so, but it's more than those things. Worship is... The posture of our life. 
and Will did an incredible job, according to Romans chapter 12, of identifying the sacrifice of worship. Right? He identified the sacrifice of worship. In the Old Testament, there was a guilt offering. There was a sin offering. And when you were with, in sin, there was an offering to be made. It was the, the exact sacrifice that he detailed. That there was a guilt and a sin offering that an animal must die because of our sin. There was a sacrifice that was required. But that wasn't the only sacrifices that were made. There is also a praise and a thanksgiving sacrifice. These looked fundamentally different in the Old Testament. And so now we come to the New Testament and we hear that Jesus has made sacrifice for our sin. So the sin offering, the guilt offering in a New Testament light for that the Old Testament required has been paid. In your notes, I said the Old Testament worship required us to make a sacrifice. You must make a sacrifice. This was the guilt sin offering. But in the New Testament, worship requires for us to be the sacrifice. And so the dead sacrifice, the sin sacrifice, the guilt sacrifice has been made. God has called us in new life to live as a sacrifice for him. We live not in light of our sin or our guilt. We live in the freedom that we have. And I don't know about you, but that's good news. And that makes me thankful. And so my life reflects that truth. But we don't just see that in Romans 12. He continues in Romans 12 verse 2. You see, he's making an introduction. He's making a shift in idea and a shift in thought. For 11 chapters, Paul has gotten into some of the deepest theology that you will ever read. Romans 1 through 11 is some of the deepest theology that you will ever read. And he's writing to the church at Rome that he has never been to, and he is giving them deep and rich theology, deep truth. And so he's defined this truth for 11 chapters, but in verse 12 he begins a transition to no longer defining truth, but demonstrating truth. In light of what Christ has done for us, in light of what, of what has been accomplished, this is how your life should look. He's making practical application to deep theological truth. And in verse 2, he identifies the separateness of worship. There must be a laying down of our life. There must be a living sacrifice. In order to worship God, there must be a refusal of self, as Will talked about. But there is also a separateness that is required. Listen to what it says in verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I get a question asked of me probably more than any other question or uh, dilemmas that people deal with. And they, they it always, many times it revolves around this idea of God's will, right? I want to take this job, but I just don't know what God's will is in this area. I, I literally had this conversation, something similar to this, last night during the halftime of the Bama game, because, you know, obviously ministry pauses between the Whistles. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but during the halftime of the game, I literally had this conversation with a brother I love dearly. And we talked about God's will. And we, we talk about God's will like it's this future faraway thing. Like, I want to do what's right. I want to do what God wants me to do. That's how we phrase it at least. When all along what we really want to know is what does the future hold for me? What's the next thing I'm supposed to do in order to accomplish whatever I, I want or I need to accomplish, right? We're looking for the future. People ask me about God's will all the time. And according to Romans chapter 12, we can know God's will. We can discern God's will. So how do we do it? What does he say? Don't be conformed to this world. A better Greek translation would be, do not live in the same pattern that the world lives in. 
Do not conform to the pattern of the lifestyle of this word. This is the whole idea of the rhythms series. All of us have routines. Most of us, if not all of us, have daily routines. The more prepared, most of us in here would say they probably have a weekly routine. Many a monthly and, you know, the planners in the room certainly, maybe not me so much, we sometimes have a yearly routine. But we live in a certain pattern. We live in a routine. There is a pattern of this world. There is a pattern that if you will allow the world to dictate what is important to you, they will find a pattern for you. Your pattern, you can discover a pattern of this world. There is a routine in our life. And he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be different. The idea of rhythms is we all have rhythms in our life. We all have patterns in our life. The goal for us as a child of God is to live outside of the everyday rhythm of this world. We must live on a different pattern, a different wavelength. We must learn how to make there to be a tangible difference between us and the world. Why? Because where Jesus is, there's a difference. If there's not a difference, there's probably not Jesus. Hello? If your faith hasn't changed you, it probably didn't save you either. You don't lock God into a covenant when you walk an aisle and check a box. Right? We must be in obedience to him. This is a calling to surrender as we talked about. There's a sacrifice of our worship. But then there's a set-apartness or a separateness to our worship. To be outside of the rhythms of this world. And what I've learned about that is in your notes, confirmation happens by itself. The world will assign you a a rhythm. You will get into a rhythm somehow, some way. That happens by itself. But transformation, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The transformation, this renewal of your mind is something that happens by intention. It's not going to happen by itself. It's going to happen by intention. You will never live the Christian life by accident. It must be done with a conscious effort and decision and a choice. That happens at the foot and feet of Jesus initially, but Paul would say, I die daily. I sacrifice my life and what I want and what I desire. I sacrifice and lay it down daily. And holiness is God put in its place whatever you would want. But more than just that, it's an intentional process. It's an intentional, it's not just intention, it's an intentional process. The thing about disciplines that's discouraging is it's hard work and it takes time. And then you you get to studying God's word and you're like, man, okay, this is good, this is great. And then we get into a genealogy and then you get into some Levitical law and then you get into some other stuff. You're like, man, this is hard. We will work to figure out so much. I will sit with my kids for hours and throw baseball and practice with them on blocking up balls as a catcher, keeping the ball from the backstop. I will throw pitches to them till my arm falls off. But am I putting the same work into being who God has called me to be through developing rhythms of spiritual maturity to see that I am not just leaving my kids a legacy of athletics, but a legacy of spirituality? creating these rhythms in our life and it's frustrating and you're going to get bogged down and it's going to be difficult, but it's worth it. It's worth it not because of any effort that we've extended on our part, but because God has changed us and we recognize that this is how he reveals himself to us. It's to be in his word, is to be in prayer. And what I've determined about God's will is the times in my life that I've been most curious about God's will It's usually those times when I'm walking furthest from him. When I'm walking in step with him, I'm seeing God do things that I know I could only accomplish if I was in his will. 
and I recognize that I am walking in step with Jesus. God's will isn't for the future. God's will is for today. God's will is to live. You can discern God's will for your life if you're where you need to be. If you have that blank table of your life ready to be filled, if you are separate and your rhythms are different from this world, then you can know God's will. It may not make you feel good. It may not set you up for a for future, but you can know what God's called you to today. And this is the design that he gives us. And so not only is there a sacrifice and a separateness, there's a selflessness of worship. Listen to what it says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Boy, that is great. Will talked about this, right? Not to have everything in your life, the pattern of your life, be dictated by pride. But to think with sober judgment, the word there literally meaning reasonable wisdom. Be reasonable about who you are outside of Jesus, outside of God. Be reasonable about that, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Listen, the unmistakable mark of a pattern of this world is that it is based in pride. It is based in me. That is the unmistakable pattern of this world. It is about serving me. And even things done for others is done to placate guilt or done to make me look better in others' eyes. The distinct marker of the pattern of this world is it revolves around me. The things that we can fill our lives with, these are things that we enjoy. These are things that we like. These are things that we want. These are things that we desire. We become the dictator of our, that pattern. But the life of Christ is different. To live a life of worship means to operate outside of that pattern and to operate in selflessness. Why do we do that? Because we have a reasonable understanding. Do you know the reality of it? The reality of it is... As far as things that matter, I don't have anything to bring to that table. There is nothing that I could possibly bring to that table that would matter in light of eternity. Nothing. I got nothing. I am powerless to provide anything on this table that would amount to eternal life. I'm completely without hope in this area. And so when we talk about the measure of faith that God has assigned us, what is faith? How do we have faith? We have faith in the fact that God has given us grace to give us a capacity for faith. He created us with that. We understand faith in light of his grace. God has graciously given us the source of our faith. Faith is only good if there's a plausible source to have faith in. Right, And so he has given us the cross. He has given us Calvary. He has given us forgiveness of sin. God will graciously sustain our faith. And God will graciously one day reward our faith in eternity. The assigned faith that we have comes only in light of the grace that God has given to us. Without God's grace, your faith and my faith is dead. It is dead on arrival. But God has lavished grace. And if we understand that we don't have anything that can amount to a hill of beans in lick skillet vernacular, a hill of beans of of worth toward eternity, then we all of a sudden are filled with this incredible gratitude when we recognize all that God has given us. And then in light of that, we live not for ourselves, we live for him and we live for others. And so in your notes, in worship, purpose is greater than position. Listen, if you have gratitude, if you understand what Christ has done and that you haven't brought anything to this table, right? His purpose is greater than anything that you could use to serve yourself with, right? And, and so I think about this in light of being a pastor, Now, I know that positionally I am the pastor of this congregation, of this church. But I would say far more important is not my position, but the purpose that God has placed me into this community. Alan, what's the difference? You may be thinking, you have thought, and you may have actually voiced this to me because some have. 
cautioning me about, Alan, I don't know that I would tell people all the things that you struggle with. Sometimes it's good to be transparent. Maybe you're sometimes too transparent. And maybe there's some truth to that. But here's, here's, here's what I can tell you about. Here, here's what I'm doing in my mind when I'm doing this. All right? I can live for my fame. And I can live and I can preach and I can, I can order myself in such a way that when you look at my life, you'll think, man, he is really spiritual. He is really great. He's the best dad in the world. He's the greatest Christian. He's probably, I mean, he might, apparently he sinned once or twice because, you know, God's word says that all have sinned. I can paint a beautiful picture of myself. Let me tell you whose name that serves. Mine. It serves me. And y'all, whether I tell you or don't tell you, my name ain't worth much. Or. I can put my brokenness on full display and I can prove to you the name of one who can take broken things and do amazing things with it. My name, I have nothing to bring to this table. It just makes sense to exist for someone's name who's made me all that I am. It is by God's grace. Paul would say, Paul, right? Not me, not Alan and little pastor in Elmont. Like, Paul, it is by God's grace I am what I am. And then he would say, and I pray that my, his grace toward me would not be in vain. May God give a certain measure of grace so that I could selflessly take and worship him with it so that the grace that he's given little old me would be lived for others and lived so that others can see his name above my name. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying. May his name ring louder than my name. And so that's why I make the decisions that I make. So you come to this church, you sure as heck aren't coming because the, the pastor's perfect. I'll let you know. But I tell you, God can use you because I am testimony of that. I am testimony of that. I'm as broken as you are. But God uses broken things. And so purpose is greater than position. It's not that God's called me to this position to be your pastor. God, he, yes, he's called me that, but he's called me for a purpose because we may, I, I, God's called me here to make it harder to go to hell from Elkmont. You've heard me say this, right? Like he's called me here for this purpose, not this position. And I can ride this pulpit like it is a throne or I can point people to the throne. Those are the only ways to live. This is a life of worship. That's, that's, that's good. That's easy to say. Boy, that's a hard way to live. It's easy to say, I live to point people to, other pe to, to Jesus. But boy, when we live our life and our tables look like that, we are painting a different picture for the world. And so finally, we see the service of worship. Romans 12, 4 through 6. Y'all got me preaching. For as in one body we have many members... And all the members do not have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And so, the word there in, in the Greek, uh, worship, in, in, in verse 1 this is your reasonable, reasonable act of worship. Your translation may say service. Do you know why? Because it's the exact same word. The, literally the Greek word, it could be interpreted service or worship. Because when you worship something, you serve it. You serve that purpose. If you worship self, you will serve yourself. If you worship God, you will serve God in kingdom purposes. And so God doesn't give gifts for personal enjoyment. His grace that he's dispensed to you is not so you can enjoy them and you can advance yourself in your position. God's used them, God's given you these for public employment. This is public employment. So God doesn't give gifts of personal enjoyment, but public employment. Getting it to work to bring God's grace to someone else. This is what God's design for our life is. If we are in worship, then we are serving him and we are serving his kingdom purpose. Do you know why I know that our church is not a perfect worshiping church? 
Because if we were a perfect worshiping church, I would never have to ask and recruit and beg people to serve. I'd never have to constantly make reference to the next steps table where you can sign up to contribute in some way in some ministry team. I'd never have to deal with burnout with some of our volunteers that are, that are wearing multiple hats and burning the candle at both ends in order to make meet needs in our church that have to happen so that we can have church. If we, were, if, I, if we were a perfect worshiping church, it would look like it because everybody would be involved in serving. Listen, Christianity is not a spectator sport. If you've received grace, may God's grace to you not be in vain. Get moving in love. I say that, okay? We are to get moving. It's not about our position. It's about the purpose that God has called us to. And if he's called you to this church, if he's called you, and if you're a member of this church, let me just tell you. Part of the prerequisite on the front end, the reason why we do North 101 is to tell you you've got something to contribute. That's an expectation to serve. Why? Because when we're serving, we're worshiping. This is our reasonable service. Man, the, the price for sin has been paid. But in the light of Jesus, in light of Jesus, church, does it not make sense to worship? And there are great reasons, great practical reasons for our life to worship. But man, in light of what Jesus has done for us, how can we help? but express our gratitude selflessly to serve one another. And so this is the work of worship. It's more than just coming and raising your hands or not raising your hands, sticking your hands in your pockets or whatever, however you decide to worship. It's more, it's more than that. It's every day growing and learning how to serve more effectively in his kingdom. Why? Because if you're worshiping, you're serving. And I love Matt Papa, another worship pastor actually, Will, said it this way. We're either working, we're either using God to serve our own kingdom or God is using us to build his kingdom. God's either using us to build his kingdom or we are using him to build our kingdom. And what is true of you? What is true of you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for today and for your word. And God, I pray that you would uh, convict hearts, God, but we know. Lord, that this, this discipline stuff is not easy. It's, it doesn't always sit well with us. But God, it doesn't negate what the truth of your word is. And so, Father, I pray that we would live in light of your truth, not in light of our own feelings and emotions. I pray that we would get involved. I pray that we would serve others. That we would live separately. That our life would reflect that pure, that clean table. That our holy lives could be used for your kingdom glory in whatever way you would have for us. And so, Lord, we thank you for how you're going to use this message. I pray that your word would not return void. I pray for one in this room that may need to know you as Lord and Savior. God, there's no worship of you outside of a relationship with you. And so, God, I pray if one needs to respond to the message of hope that's found in the good news that Jesus came, he bled, and he died on the cross. He proved who he was through his resurrection and defeating death, hell, and the grave. And, Lord, that we can respond, Lord, receiving you as our Savior and our Lord and surrendering our life to you. I pray for one that maybe has never made that decision. I pray that today they would... We say amen. They would come find this middle aisle, find me here at the front. Love to talk to them about any decision that they need to make with the Lord. God, I just pray that we would be obedient to you. We take the next step toward the discipline of worship in our life. And Lord, we thank you for your grace. Your grace that supplements all of our faith all the way through. Lord, be glorified in these next few moments. In this place and in our hearts, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Would you stand to your feet? As we sing, would you come? Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, would you come? Any decision needs to be made. This altar is open. Would you come today? Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy.
Any decision that you need to make for the Lord, we want to be able to help you with that. One of our staff will reach out to you. If you will fill that out, whether you got it in person or on this initial post online, let us know whatever God's done in your heart. Uh, Submit that, turn that in in the offering uh, bucket on the way out the door, and we will follow up with you on that, okay? So uh, whatever decision needs to be made, just pray that you would uh, take advantage of that, all right?